Nation, if you know who that is. I've got some people that know who A.B. Henderson is because uh, I am not him, but they want me to be him. And Brother uh, Eccles talked about uh, Brother Kirkman making you look good. I'm sorry he wouldn't make me look very good because I've preached an hour and 20 minutes. And so my people would be saying, you know, why can't your hour and 20 minutes be like Brother Kirkman's hour and 20 minutes, you know? But uh, anyhow, I appreciate the opportunity. This is a special privilege for me. I grew up in this church. I'm a product of Calvary Baptist Church in Nixon, Missouri. My preacher was Brother Winicky, and uh, I, uh, many a time, I heard my name ring from this pulpit. Get that gum out of your mouth, son. I've told you before. You get up on this front row and, you know, and all that kind of stuff. So I'm, I'm telling you, that was back in the day when you could call kids out and not, you know, uh, and I needed it, too. Uh, Brother Winicky was more than a preacher to me. He was, uh, he was like my daddy. I grew up in a broken home. And uh, my uh, mama kept us under the preaching of uh, the word. And uh, Brother Winicky, he he has spanked me with the Bible. He spanked me with his belt. He is. Uh, I'm a product of this church, and I appreciate, truly appreciate the privilege that it is to be able to stand here today. I'm going to ask you to turn to First Samuel chapter 18 with me, if you would. I want to say uh, what a privilege it was again to hear Brother Kirkman last night and. Every time. We've enjoyed uh, getting to know Brother Kirkman, my wife and I, and uh, my wife and daughter uh, got to uh, visit uh, the Kirkmans at their church this last uh, year, and it was a special privilege. And I can, I can tell you, he's the same preacher out in special meetings that he is, as far as what I know, at his home church. And that's a blessing. That's a real privilege. And I uh, want you to pray with me for him and his wife as they transition into uh, a new scope of ministry this next uh, year, and I'm looking forward to having him at our church for a special meeting, and uh, I know some of you will too. So, First Samuel chapter 18, if you could have, uh, if you could choose today, and as I think about my theme, I've been given the theme of surrender. Uh, it's, a, it's an interesting thought because in this very room is where I surrendered to the ministry. I surrendered to preach, sitting right over there, right about where Brother Moeller is. Um, the Lord got a hold of me in, in this church and in this ministry, and, and I surrender. But we think about surrender in different ways, don't we? As a child, I can remember play, playing uh, uh, Cowboys and Indians. We played Indians and Cowboys where I grew up, but, and the Indians always won, by the way. But uh, when we had the, the boys from down the block, when we had them cornered, you know, having a rock fight or whatever, um, we played for keeps. Now, I'm, I mean, we were ornery little stinkers. But we would say, all right, you got to surrender or we're beating you right in the head, you know, and, and they would say, okay, I give up, I surrender. You think about a, uh, a robber in a bank and the police are out on the, on the front stoop and they say, come out with your hands up and he comes out in the show of surrender. Um, my wife and I are fixing to hand over authority of our oldest daughter to her uh, husband in February. And as I stand there and that preacher asked me, who gives this woman to be married? And I'm going to say, I surrender. <laughs> yes. <laughs> we have this thought today that surrender, and if I, if I may illustrate in this way, that surrender is a, okay, uh, I surrender. I, st- I step down from where I want. We have this thought that oftentimes we hear somebody say, I surrender to the ministry. Oh, I had a path that I thought, but the Lord... He tripped me up and I, I surrender. I lay down mine and I... But can I tell you today, surrender is not a stepping down. Surrender is a giving up. 
I give up. Lord, I give up all of my plans to you because your ways are higher than my ways. Lord, I'm giving up my daughter to this young man who, by the way, is a godly young man. And we're, I've looked forward to eight, for 18 years, I've looked forward to scaring a young man out of his skin and putting the fear of God in a young man that would ask for my daughter's hand in marriage. And she's marrying a sheriff's deputy. He's got more guns than I've got. He's trained in three different uh, uh, martial arts, you know, disciplines. And I, how can you scare a kid like we love him? And I'm looking forward to saying, God, I've, I've done what I can with this girl. I give her up to you and to your will and to serve you in a greater way. If you could choose today to have a good ministry or a great ministry, obviously, we would all choose that great ministry. Let me put it this way. If you could choose today to have... Uh, if you could choose today, I'm going to pick on Brother Hogan. He picks on everybody else, right? If you could choose to have Brother Hogan's truck or Matt Deadman's truck, you'd choose the great one, right? It's a been blessed with a great vehicle, a nice vehicle. If you could have a good home or a great home, we'd obviously choose the great in every situation. Has our, pro, our president promised to make America good again? No, he's promised to make it great again. That's his, that's his slogan. Of course, we all want great over good. If you thinking about your ministry, I want my ministry, I want Liberty Baptist Church to be a great church in the eyes of God. As I think about good and great in the Bible, I see a very plain and uh, younger preachers dream about the opportunity to preach at a fellowship meeting. You all know this. This is very elementary, so if it's, if it's too low for you, take a nap. I'll know you trust me. You're, you're comfortable in all of that. Um, comparing Saul with David, that's a comparison of good and great. We see the first two kings of, of Israel there, and, and it's, a, it's a very rudimentary comparison, but I think there's some things that we can learn today. And I see in the comparison, I see a key, and believe it or not, that key is surrender. Surrender, giving up to God. I'd submit the difference between David and Saul is surrender. The difference today in a good ministry and a great ministry. The difference today in a good preacher and a great preacher. We could take that and, and apply it to other things. The difference today between a good marriage and a great marriage. We've been taught falsely that a good marriage is 50-50, but we know that's not true. A great marriage is 100-100. It's got to come and, and go farther than, than you might think possible. 1 Samuel chapter 18 tells us the tale here. We're going to just read the couple of verses here. Um, David had had his, uh, he's had his, his uh, battle in the Valley of Elah, and, and the giant has fallen, and David has a name for himself now, and he's serving the Lord, serving his king. Verse number 5 of chapter 18 says, And David went out with us, whoever Saul sent him, and behaved himself wisely. And Saul set him over the men of war, and his, he was accepted in the sight of all the people, and also in the sight of Saul's servants. And it came to pass, as they came, when David was returned from the slaughter of the Philistines, that the women came out of all the cities of Israel, singing and dancing, to meet King Saul with tabrets, with joy and with instruments of music. And the women answered one another as they played, and said, Saul hath slain his thousands, and David his ten thousands. Can I just... Uh, Put that in uh, vernacular that would fit this sermon. 
Saul has been good, but woo, David's great. That's what they're saying there. I find that, that surrender consists of three things. I, I appreciate words. I think words are a gift of God to mankind. In fact, Jesus didn't come to earth as the, as the melody of, of truth. He came as the word of truth. Uh, all words are, are, are in the Bible on purpose. I like the ability, I like the, the opportunity we have to look at words in the Bible. Um, and I find that our word surrender, we can take that and find three other ingredient words that go into surrender. What is surrender? First thing surrender is composed of is obedience. It's who we serve. Surrender is obedience. If you think about back in 1 Samuel 13, Saul had reigned for just two years, and he was in a pickle. We're not going to turn there for sake of time. He was in a pickle waiting for Samuel the priest. And he calls the men, verse number 9 of that chapter, and, and says, Hey, bring me the, the, the elements of the offering. And he offered a burnt offering there without the priest. Uh, he wasn't supposed to do that. Men of war were not to offer burnt offerings. That was for the priest. A couple of years later, 1 Samuel chapter 14, Saul declares a day of fasting, trying to force God's hand. And his men are in battle, and they're walking through the wood, and, and the spring honey has fallen, and it's, it's all over, and they're not supposed to eat any of it. You think about men in a battle, what do they need? They need nourishment, they need strength, they need fortification. Later yet, Saul's, what I would consider his greatest downfall, with uh, the Agag situation. He comes back from the battle, told to utterly destroy him, kill everything living. He comes back and he spared Agag and all the Amalekite livestock. And Samuel comes up and says, don't I hear sheep bleeding in my ears? He tells him something, and you can see it in, in 1 Samuel 15. It's a verse you probably have memorized. Verse number 22. Samuel, the priest, tells him, says, Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice. And to hearken than the fat of rams. Folks, the first part of surrender, I believe, is obedience. Think about David's commitment to obedience. Boy, you talk about obedience. Even against his own plans, against his own will, David... Obey. The first time we ever see David. He's in the field tending his father's sheep obediently. Later on down the line, Saul is tormented by evil spirits. And they remember and they call David to come and to play. And he comes with his harp and he obeys. He plays for the king. Jesse sends David to check on his brothers. There on that battlefront there at Elon. He does just that. He goes and, and he's obedient to his father's commands. In chapter 18, we find three times that David is put in a situation where he has the opportunity to obey or to act out. We read the first time, verse number 5, David went out with us, whoever Saul sent him, and behaved himself wisely. When I think of obedience, I think of Brother Winnicky standing here and telling me and, and, and the other boys, now, youngs better obey, you better behave. It says, David behaved himself wisely. David was obedient. On down in chapter 18, verse number 14, it says, And David behaved himself wisely in all his ways, and the Lord was with him. Verse number 30, The princes of the Philistines went forth, and it came to pass, and they went forth, that David behaved himself 
more wisely than all the servants of Saul, so that his name was much set by. David was all about obedience. Folks, I've learned as an assistant pastor, as an associate pastor for 12 years, I served under my pastor, whom I love to this day, uh, Brother uh, Kevin Metzinger, Shawnee Mission Baptist Temple up in Shawnee, Kansas. And I even still today, after five and a half years, I'll like, get on the phone and I'll almost every once in a while I'll say, Shawnee, uh, Liberty Baptist Church, you know, I, I, those old habits die hard. My job was to obey him. And I appreciated that, that privilege to have somebody to obey. Brother Eccles, you're fresh into the pastorate here yourself. And, oh, what a treat to have somebody else call the shots. And all I got to do is, yes, sir, yes, sir, let's do this, let's do that. Uh-huh, you got it. But as a pastor, whoo-wee, nobody to obey but my wife. Oh, no. I'm kidding. It's a very serious thing to obey the voice of God. There were some times that I did not properly obey my pastor. And I got a talking to. Very few times. But I appreciate those times. Can I submit to you that a talking to from Brother Kevin Metzinger is much easier to get over, much easier to deal with than a talking to from the Holy Spirit. I, I'm preaching to the choir, I know that. The first part of surrender is obedience. I find another element of surrender. It's not just obedience. It's about our allegiance. Verse number 10. Jump there if you would. It says, And it came to pass on the morrow that the evil spirit from God came upon Saul, and he prophesied in the midst of the house, and Paul played with his hand. I'm sorry, David played with his hand as at other times. And there was a javelin in Saul's hand. And Saul cast the javelin, for he said, I will smite David even to the wall with it. And David avoided out of his presence twice. And Saul was afraid of David because the Lord was with him and was departed from Saul. Verse 13, Therefore Saul removed him from him and made him captain over, uh, over a thousand. And he went out and came in before the people. Another aspect of surrender here is our allegiance, the priorities to which we are devoted. Obedience is who we serve. Allegiance is who we love. And if we're talking about surrender today, it's not just blind obedience. An employee can perfectly obey the edicts and the instructions of an, an employer and go to the break room and talk bad about that employer all day long. Surrender is more than obedience, it's also allegiance. Having sinned and not killing Agag, Saul sells himself out on three different groups of people. He, he, he there in that situation back in 1 Samuel 15, he tells Samuel the priest, uh, he lies to him, bears false witness. Have you done what I've asked you to do? And he says, I have. You betcha I have. Uh-huh. I killed them all. We, we, we whooped them Amalekites and I've, I killed them. priest says, well, what about this bleeding of the sheep in mine ears? So Saul has already betrayed himself. He's borne false witness. The second thing he does is he, he passes that off on his people. Because the answer is like this. Oh, they have brought them from the Amalekites. You know, I went to, I went to do this job, but the people, they, they've, they've brought those sheep from the Amalekites. They thought they, they thought they needed to keep those sheep. So he's put blame on himself by bearing false witness. He's tried to put blame on his people. And then he goes a step farther. 
He says, no, 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 we kept them to sacrifice. And he says to the prophet, to sacrifice to thy God in Gilgal. To thy God. He tries to spiritualize all of his faults, all of his problems. How does David fare in regards to his allegiances, his love? When his foe turns against him, Goliath, there in the valley of Elah, his, his, uh, his words were words of, of cursing against God. David doesn't like that. He doesn't care how big the giant is. He loves God enough. I've heard a preacher friend of ours say, David was the only one in that valley that, didn't, that looked out there and didn't see a giant. And when Saul, back in the armor room, said, David, he, he, he's, he, he's too big for you. He's too big for you to fight. David was thinking, he's too big for me to miss. Look at the big lug. I mean, I've, I've, I've hit coyotes and, and, and wolves. And, and look at that guy. This is going to be a cakewalk. When the foe turned against him, David still held his, his God high and held him precious. When family turned against him, his older brother Eliab, you naughty thing, you. Look, at you, you come out here to watch this show. And David turns to him, the firstborn of the family, by the way, who should have had the firstborn's blessings. But he had done something in that family. And David says, what have I now done? I think he knew what his older brother had done. We don't know. The Bible doesn't tell us. But there was a reason that God rejected Eliab, that firstborn's blessing, the, the, the blessing that, that Samuel, the, the priest, put on him. When family turned against him, he could, have, he could have stood there and fought his brother, but no, he had a bigger fight. When his king turned against him, here in chapter 18, tries to, tries to skewer him with that, with that javelin, David knew the king was against him. But what does he do? He goes out to his post, and he remains a captain over thousands. He goes out and comes in before the people. We don't find that he goes and, and, and he starts a campaign against the king. The king's done gone crazy. He's tried to kill me twice, guys. We need to do something about this king. Can I tell you, I have to admit, and this is a confession, if you will, my greatest regret during my time with my preacher, with Brother Metzinger, there were some men in the church that came up and, and tried to formulate uh, a cause against him. And I heard that cause, and I wasn't David in that situation. I didn't lend my strength to help them, but I didn't stand up and say, Fellas, this is wrong. You guys get out of this church. Get, tuck your tail and run. Didn't do it. That's a regret of mine. Can I be honest with you like that? Uh, you may think less of me. You shouldn't think anything of me. <laughs> I'm nobody. But... Uh, Folks, it, allegiance matters. It matters. We do things that are important to us. If we looked at your uh, daily schedule, we'd see what was important to you. If we looked at your monthly budget, we would probably get a clue or two about what's important to you. If we follow your conversation, the Bible says in Luke chapter 6, of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. We'd find out what's important to you. Surrender is about obedience. It's about allegiance. Surrender, lastly, is about resonance. Let me explain that. As a product of Calvary Baptist Church, I stand here today having been invested in by my pastor, Brother Clell Winicky, great man of God. Um, 
resonance can be defined as the, as in, in this way. A reinforcement or a prolongation of sound by reflection or by synchronous vibrations of a neighboring object. Now, you might think that our job as pastors is to get a good echo out of our people, to train them as puppets to go out and say what we say. And I think it's funny how um, some men who follow camp meeting preachers and really take the tone of what they're saying without the truth of what they're saying. It's like they're parrots, you know. Um, I heard a young man say recently at a revival meeting, I was listening to a sermon and and uh, he stood up there and he was giving some euphemisms and this and that and other thing. And, and he said something like, you think you're good enough to get to heaven by yourself? And he said this, my hind leg. And I said, I know who he's been listening to. <laughs> yeah, that's old Tony Hudson down there in Tennessee. That's, that's what he says, you know. <laughs> we, we waste words, even as preachers, don't we? Amen. We're not trying to train Somebody that go out and parrot what we say. Here is reverberation. And in fact, reverb, as a sound man might know, reverb simply means just that. Reverb. Re, again, and verb, to say. Say it again. So, if I could illustrate. Ask, 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 not, 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 what your country tree can do, do for you, you, you. Ask, 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 what you, you, can do, do, do for your, your country tree. You know, that's re, that's reverb. If we were standing on the, on the precipice of a great chasm, the Grand Canyon, hello, 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 hello. It's our voice again. It's our voice. It's not another voice. It's just our voice again. I used to say this in this church too. Watch what I can do. But I wasn't preaching when I said it before. This is a beautiful instrument made up of chords, of strings. When we think of resonance, do you realize you can, without touching these strings, you can make them move. The world gets all hung up on, oh, ESP and, and all this other kind of... Listen close, if you will, and I hope I don't blow your eardrums out. Ah! You probably can't hear it real well. I'm going to try this. Ah! See that? <laughs> Sounded like a... Hold on, bump. If we were to... If I were to have... In fact... Ladies, you know where the sustain pedal is on this piano? Would you mind holding that down? Just real brief. <clears throat> Everything has resonance, by the way. That's why, that's why a soprano or a tenor, sometimes even an alto or a bass, can take a, a, a thin glass and sing and make that glass break. It really happens. That's, that's science. You can already hear it, can't you? Hey! Now, that's not just my voice. That's multiple strings in here vibrating from the vibration of, watch this. Jesus loves me, this I know. 
can hear overtones. Thank you very much. I can hear all different kinds of tones in there. That's resonance. Getting people, getting other things around us to vibrate and to carry the same message that we're carrying, but in their voice. Allegiance. It's not just, surrender's not just uh, about allegiance, not just about who we love. It's not just about who we serve. It's also about who we lead and who we impact and what we leave behind when we're gone. If you look at the, at the demise of both Saul and David, we get a full picture of, of their ministries. Saul, as you know, he uh, consults that witch over an indoor and brings uh, Samuel up. And Samuel tells him, hey, son, tomorrow you're going to be with me and my boys in the afterlife. Saul's hit with an arrow in battle. He's wounded. He asks his armor bearer to finish him off. His armor bearer rightly. Huh, I'm not going to touch the man of God. Right. No, not me. Right. So Saul finally has to take out his own sword and kill himself with the help of a young Amalekite man. And what do they do then? 1 Samuel chapter 31, you can read the tale. He's fastened to a wall and mocked like a trophy. His body is, is hung there as a trophy. What about David? David's in. In fact, 1 Chronicles chapter 22 records David's legacy, if you will. He sacrificed for the temple. Being a man of war, he knew himself he could not build the temple. But he could save for it. He could sacrifice for the temple. He saved for future generations. He sought the Lord for his family. And then finally, he submitted to his own son as the coming king. It's a blessing. Can I tell you, it's a blessing to see ministries where... A former pastor is humble enough to submit himself to the authority and the leading of a younger man. That's, and you all know it doesn't always work like that. In fact, I would say more times than not, it's trouble. I want to applaud you all. It, it's a blessing to see it work. That's a real blessing. Folks, do you want to have a great ministry? Do you want to be a great preacher? It is about holiness. It is about serving the Lord. It is about a diligence with the Word. But we can't do it without surrender. Can I finish with this thought today? Thinking about my pastor, thinking about Brother Winnicky and Calvary Baptist Church. Uh, I believe it was 1988 that... Um, Brother Winnicky left this church, and it wasn't a good situation, and I'm not going to bring all that up. Lord knows all about it. But my family and I left with him and a couple other families. My mom and brothers went down to Faith Baptist. Brother George Bishop was pastoring down there in Spokane. Uh, I had already kind of adopted uh, uh, Brother Orrin Cobb as a, as a uh, grandpa-type figure, so here I was driving, and uh, any chance I got to drive around in Springfield as a 15-and-a-half-year-old boy, yeah, I'll do that. So I went to South Campbell Avenue and kind of lost track of uh, Brother Winnicky for a little while. He paired up with Brother Perryman, and uh, he went into church building and, and had many years yet, he and his wife, and Mrs. Winnicky still, still living, still doing good here in town. Um. I still have a good relationship with all the Winnikies. They're my fam. They're my kin. We have fam with Christmas together, uh, uh, all of that. It's a blessing. 
as I think about Brother Winnicky, what stands out to me is that he was a man that didn't, you would, couldn't push him around, so I thought. He was a man's man. He was a preacher's preacher. He was a stout guy, five foot nothing, uh, just full of fire and all that. Maybe that's what this church is about, five foot nothing. <laughs> anyway. But I remember times, Brother Winnicky, in fact, walking into Cox South to visit a, a family member of one of those that run him out of this church. And he was met on the stoop, met on the sidewalk by the man's son and told him, said, Preacher, you ain't going in there. You leave him alone. And Brother Winnicky said, No, that man loves me and I love him. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go see him. And the man hauled off and hit him, knocked him back, fell on, the, fell on the sidewalk. And his oldest son, David, my uncle, was with him at the time. And David mentions saying, uh-oh, <laughs> this ain't going to be good. He said his daddy, Brother Winnicky, got up, brushed himself off, rubbed his head, looked at the man said, are you done? And he walked right on by and went and visited this man in the hospital. That's saying, I want to clean your clock. But no, I'm, I'm surrendered. I'm giving up to the Lord. Amen. It's a special blessing for me. Um, as the Lord called us to Lamar, Brother Winnicky, after he left here, went into church building, New, church, New Testament church planners, and it was a great blessing. And he would always remark that wherever he was building a church, he prayed that one of his preacher boys would get to pastor that church. As we think about resonance and what he's left behind, do you know the first building that he built in the, in the church building ministry was for a man named Steve Summers who had a little group of people in Lamar, Missouri. And I get to pastor in a building that my preacher built. Resonance doesn't just stop when we leave this earth. Our surrender isn't just about our time on this earth. Surrender affects generations. Brother Eccles.